are listening to The Creative Curmudgeon. My name is Jason, and today I am speaking with Providence-based visual artist, Allison Cole. Were you born and raised in Providence? I wasn't, actually. I um, grew up a little bit in New York and mostly in the suburbs of Boston. Oh, okay. Let's start at the beginning. What initially got you into making art? Um, I always made art. I, I can't think of a time where I wasn't drawing or writing stories and illustrating them. I just always, it was just always something I did. So I can't even pinpoint where it started. But um, yeah, I, uh, it was just a way for me to kind of like process the world and, um, you know, just kind of, uh, I don't know, feel like it was a good way to, um, something I was good at, or something that I felt like I could do as a kid. I definitely couldn't do sports. I couldn't do anything else. So art was like my thing. By process, do you mean that like you would make sense of a thing by just like drawing it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I would get interested. My dad recently gave me a bunch of my old um, like childhood things that he had found. And um, like, there are all these stapled, like I would make a cover for a book, like out of um, construction paper and I would staple it and have all my pages on the inside and it would just be like the planets, you know? And I would just like, you know, some, sometimes they were narrative stories, but a lot of times they would just be like, you know, diving deep into a topic about plants or science or cats or you know just anything um like that. why 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 cats i i uh i noticed cats are cats are a big thing for you it is definitely a huge part of my work and it's um not something that i meant like i did consciously at all like it's just something that again like i was always drawn to always studying them I've always had pet cats and they were always like my number one favorite thing of all time that I wanted to um, capture and draw their likeness and um, I just really I love cats like (laughs) on a very deep level you know I know Mm -hmm. people love dogs people have cat you know they love their pets but I mean I just love cats so much for their their attitudes that they're um just so, um, you know, they live life on their own terms and they are, um, they need people, but they don't need them too much, you know, like they can kind of like, they're self-sufficient, they can take care of themselves, um, you know, and I just kind of draw inspiration from all the cats that I've had in my life and kind of put them, sprinkle them into my work all the time. Um, And I have lots of like, feral cats, stray cats that have come to me over the years too, that I've, I haven't like taken in, but I've taken care of and gotten them, you know, new homes or made sure they were safe. And, you know, just kind of like, they always show up in my work too. So. I'm sadly allergic to cats, but I've always really liked cats <laughs> and I've gotten really close to my dog who is a uh, hypoallergenic, but like acts mm. like a cat. We, we, we have a theory that he was like raised <laughs> by cats because he was adopted when he was one. And he like, pees with like all of his legs on the ground like he pees like a cat and he like acts like a cat a lot like that sort of like silent entitled like I don't give a fuck sort of vibe so we like think that he might have been raised by cats so I think that's (laughs) like like the combination of the two I think is like yeah yeah um I was just telling this story in a different interview that I was doing that I was 
really into drawing when I was a kid. And when uh, I was drawing a car at one point, this kid walked up to me and told me that it sucked. And then I, I quit drawing for years because of like this one kid's opinion. And <laughs> I, I found out later that I have projection sensitivity dysphoria. So that probably had something to do with it. But then I also think maybe it wasn't like meant to be because if I wasn't like dedicated enough to like push past that, then maybe like the visual art world like wasn't meant for me. If I if I was to like take especially because this is in the pre-internet world even. So like if I was to take like this piece of verbal criticism that personally, then maybe maybe I wasn't cut out for it. Did you have any anything like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I was always, and that stinks by the way, that that kid said that, you know, like I wish people would be a little kinder, you know, sometimes, but that's what happens with kids. But um, no, I definitely was not like, I'll kind of like earlier, I said art was something I felt like I was good at, but to clarify, I was not good at <laughs> like looking back, you know, like, it's not like I was some sort of like child prodigy for sure. I, I had to work really, really hard to get good at it. And I definitely, I feel like I got a lot of encouragement because people saw that that was like my one thing I could do <laughs> or that I was interested in. But, um, I definitely like spent a lot of time, you know, just hours and hours, like practicing drawing, trying to get better. I kind of like made a conscious choice when I was probably, more kind of like middle school age that where I was like, this is what I want to do. I got to figure out how I'm going to do it. I just want to get, you know, I found out that art colleges exist that you could like go on and this could be part of your career. So I was real, I got really dedicated to, um, you know, just improving my like drawing and painting skills. And I wanted to be able to paint and illustrate like photorealistically. Um, so I was really like, in, into being able to do that. And um, I took a lot of classes at, um, because I lived in around the Boston area, I took a lot of cl art classes at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Um, they had this, I don't know if they have it anymore, but um, in the 90s, they had this, um, it was almost like they have this beautiful, beautiful museum, you walk into it, and then like off to the side where there was this like rickety stairwell that you would walk up and it was just off the main entrance and you'd go walk up to like, I think it was like the third floor of the museum. So above all the galleries, they had all these little art studios um, and you could take classes for high school kids, they had classes for adults. Um, so I would take classes on the weekends. And that was kind of my first exposure to like other people that were really good at art. And so that I'm, I'm really sorry to made me so like, you, yeah. So I'm sorry to interrupt just to be clarified. So you were taking these classes as a kid? Yeah, like, like before college teenager. level. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And like they they made me feel like okay, I have to be better. You know what I mean? Cuz I was with other kids that were from other high schools and other places that were um you know, just like re also really dedicated and good at art and painting and interested in it. So it was definitely a good a good thing to push, but it definitely you know, crit criticism and critique and self-critique is a huge part of, of art and being an artist, a visual artist, for sure. Did you have kind of stereotypical teachers that you see on TV that were like, you know, like the tough love teachers or whatever, which I think is horseshit, but like <laughs> that kind of like teacher that would like push you with, you know, through, through criticism and whatnot? Oh, yeah. I think like 
So early year, so I ended up going to RISD for college for art school, um, the Rhode Island School of Design. And um, certain teachers were <laughs> like that, you know, just like, just brutal for like the sake of being brutal. Students would be brutal with you on cr criticism and critique, you know, and like, you just have to build up a really thick skin of, um, you know, being able to look at your work critically, but also not get have some confidence in it to be like, well, they don't like it, but I like it, you know, or like, yeah, it could have been better. This sucks. You know, like it just kind of like, I'm going to make more, I'm going to do more. And that was kind of always my attitude with it. And I think, you know, that's fostered through school a lot too, is like, this isn't the last thing you're going to make. You're going to keep making more. Um, so you're always, you know, striving to be better or get better at what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, definitely. I teach now at the college level and I am the opposite of like, I feel like a lot of the teachers that I had that would do that. I'm like, not the tough love teacher at all. I'm like the, like <laughs> the teacher that's going to try to like encourage you as much as possible. Um, and I think directly because of those experiences that I had with teachers that were the opposite. That that's beautiful that like you took that you didn't go the opposite route <laughs> yeah. and that, you know, violence and violence breeds violence sort of way. It was great <laughs> that you went the opposite route. So like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, were there any artists that helped you like find your specific style or how did you specifically zone in on like what you do now? That's a good, that's a good question. I feel like I, um, not really like artists. I just look at a lot of stuff. Um, and style for me has always just evolved and developed naturally through the process of just making a lot of things and always drawing, always painting, like always trying to figure out, like, I don't know. And it just comes out naturally. It's, it's kind of not something I've tr ever tried to like dial in or calculate. Um, and uh, like, even when I try, sometimes I'll try, you know, like if I'm painting, you know, and then switch to digital, which is a different medium, like it still looks inevitably, it kind of like looks the same, you know, it's like, I can't get away from myself. Um, but uh, I always like to, you know, look at a lot of stuff, a um, lot of different style, like stuff that's not, you know, different artists, things that aren't necessarily my um, genre or how I, how I might illustrate and, uh, you know, take it all in. Like maybe it'll be like colors from something and um, maybe like a, a style technique, you know, or a painting technique from something else and try to like blend it together um, with how I would do things and, you know, just experiment and see what it looks like. Um, but yeah, it kind of style is definitely a big topic of conversation. I feel like for a lot of, um, you know, younger artists and people starting out when they're trying to like, you know, decide what they, um, you know, want their art to do or what they want to do with it. And, uh, yeah, it can be really, can be really challenging and feel, you know, you can feel lost sometimes trying to be like, well, you know, who am I, you know, like how does that reflect? And I think, you know, also just thinking about like making choices about color and style and medium and like what you want to visually communicate, like tone, mood, and like how that will play into your art that can help kind of start to develop style or a sense of style. 
So like you, you're you're kind of saying like having like a like kind of a manifesto in mind before mm-hmm. you even start like doing stuff. Yeah, kind of. Or like you can always be doing stuff, but maybe just having this kind of sense of self or sense of idea of like, you know, what are what are my themes? What am I interested in? And then you can kind of like build on it from there. Do you have like a favorite artist or movement or anything of that nature that you you would say was the most influential thing for you? Hmm. I don't know if I would say any one thing in particular. I just appreciate so much of it, you know, like it's so hard to like narrow it down to like to one thing or one artist. Um, One artist I always admire um, that I feel like encapsulates a lot is David Hockney, Hmm. um, British painter. And um, he has just done so many. I love, you know, speaking of style, like his style has changed and evolved his whole career. And he's played around with different mediums, different approaches, and like, it just, it's so inspiring that he never, he didn't just like do the same thing over and over again. Like, then he was just like, well, now I'm doing like photo collage. Now I'm doing oil paintings of Yorkshire, you know, like, it's just like, he kind of like is very, it's free. It's about the art, you know, it's not about like, a like he kept pushing himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything you particularly want to talk shit about? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Moving on. Um, how'd you develop like the big eyes? Was that something that just kind of like came naturally to you? Like as you were like drawing, you did just always draw big eyes? Yes. Yeah. Always big eyes. Yeah. I feel like that was, maybe that came from my drawings of cats. Cause I always drew my, drew my cats with like big eyes. And maybe I just applied those to when I draw people too. Um, so yeah, maybe it all comes back to cats. <laughs> Oh, just like that, that, that cats have those like mesmerizing yeah. eyes. And so you try to yeah. translate it to other things. I got you. Yeah. Um, tell me about what it was like to try to get your art in the world and start like making a living off of it. I know you went to school and whatnot. And I know that there's entire classes and degrees based around this question. And I'm just like saying like in two minutes, just tell me everything, everything I need to know about <laughs> putting my art out there. Yeah, it's a definitely, it's a, my personal experience with getting my art out there was a really different experience than I feel like somebody would have today. Um, So it's kind of like, there's multiple ways to answer the question, but um, I graduated school in 2003. So that was kind of like when the internet and like websites and things were still relatively new. Email was even relatively new. Like I would still make phone calls art directors you know so so my my kind of like entry into the like promoting my work was um I built a website using um Dreamweaver and hand-coded html (laughs) and um I sent out postcards snail mail and I found all the addresses to send them to because you could like sign up and get like a list of the art directors and then you just like mail them a postcard um, or you could like go into, go to like a newsstand or like a Barnes and Noble or something and go to all the, um, go through all the magazines and like write down all the art director's names and just like mail them a postcard. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And people started writing me back and actually hiring me for jobs based off those postcards. So it was a very strange system. Like, I can't believe it worked. Um, so 
today it's so different because it's like social media and like, you know, you have your website and like your presence is like this whole other thing. You're like a brand straight out of school and then you try to get work. So, um, you know, it's just such a different, different market to um, like a lot of um, my RISD students today, like they're going into fields um, that didn't exist when I was, you know, majoring in, you know, art at school. So like, it just kind of like, like what? Um, a lot of students in illustration are interested in visual development. Um, so that's kind of like um, art for um, visual developments, usually more for like um, anything that's like an animated show, maybe a film. Um, then there's also, you know, you're kind of like building the worlds or like a lot of it is development work that you don't see ever, but that you're creating behind the scenes and then it's taken as inspiration um, to build the actual product, like a game or a movie or, um, and that's been going on for a long time. It's been a field that's existed for a while, but it's just like exploded in recent years in popularity and people are interested in it. And it's, you know, seen as it's very viable um, way to make a living. Um, that just wasn't something that was on the radar um, for me or my peers back when I was in school. Right. Um, I wonder if it's easier or harder, like sending out mail, because obviously that's a pain in the ass. But then like if a person is like has that physical thing in their hand, then maybe they'll be more apt to like look at it than just like a person getting a bunch of emails. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Is it, no. it, was it was it easier at the time to just like actually get someone to pay attention to, even though the thing itself yes. was harder to do? I think so. I mean, because there's so there was so much less like noise out there, like visual mm. noise. Um, so like, you know, we're inundated by images all day, all the time. Like you've got your phone, you've got your, you know, social media, anything that you're looking at, it's just like constant imagery. And back then it was like, oh, I got this postcard in the mail. I like it. I'm going to tack it up to my, you know, my office wall and then like call this person for work. I feel like it was so much easier. And also back in 2003, there were magazines, magazines existed, newspapers existed, they had budgets, like, like that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and it was fairly easy to, <clears throat> sorry, clear my throat. Um, it was fairly easy to enter into the marketplace because a magazine is only on the newsstand for a month. So they didn't, it's not like it was there forever. So like, there wasn't this like high barrier to entry. It's not like you're creating, developing, um, you know, a storyboard for an animation that has this huge budget. The mm -hmm. budget is tiny and like, you know, like you still got paid pretty well, but like this quarter page illustration, then it's going to be, you know, in the recycle bin. So it wasn't like the stakes weren't as high, I guess is what I'm saying. So like it was easier to build up a client list and professional work because the work was there and people were hiring for it. Um, you brought up uh, making a website. I've been told mm -hmm. to make, this seems like a really like obvious thing to do, but I've, I've been told by multiple people to like make a website. I've considered making a website even, like I don't have like a proper website for like this podcast even, because I, I really hate being put out and I hate uh, doing things that I don't know how to do because I get frustrated really quickly. And then I also don't want to ask for help. So I just like haven't done it, but was it pretty ascent was having like that Alison Cole 
com or AllisonColeIllustration.com, was that pretty essential for you as far as like the business side of things? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, yeah. it's, it's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's definitely, that's what I send, you know, my clients to, that's what I send people to like, you know, before anything else. Cause at least it's like usually up to, up to date. I have not updated it in a little while, but, um, you know, you can kind of like figure out how you want to present yourself and then you can be like, here you go. And then if you want the more casual version or like more sketchbook stuff, here's the Instagram, you know? So yeah, that's kind of the. All right. I'll get around to that eventually. <laughs> um, what is your process typically like? Like, do you have to like, you know, cause you have family obligations, mm -hmm. I, I'm aware. So do you have to like carve out time or do you do it each day? Like how, how does that work? Oh yeah. It's such a struggle. It's definitely, my son is older now. He's eight. So it's gotten easier as he's more school age. Um, but pretty much I'm like, I only have the time that he's at school to like get anything done. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes, and then during that time, I'm always pulled with other obligations, you know, clients are emailing or or I have to do my taxes or, you know, just like other things come up during those hours. So mm -hmm. I usually wake up early. I usually wake up at like 6 a.m. or sometimes a little bit earlier. And then I know I have like two hours uninterrupted before my day starts where I can just do whatever I need to do. And sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I just sit there and drink my coffee and I'm like, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> you you, know, so, like, so you're saying that you wake up like a couple of hours before like your son yeah. wakes up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I've I heard of that. people doing that, but I just like that seems <laughs> like, I, like I always get like, get up pretty, pretty early as well. But then like for a while, I just like, am not feeling up to like just doing anything. So like, I, I, I admire people that can like, just go get work done like with that early. Yeah. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, sometimes I'm just sitting there you know, and I'm just like, okay, I'm awake, but nothing's happening. Uh, but other times I can get some stuff done. So I usually, I try to think about it at night, like before I go to bed, I'm like, okay, when I wake up, I'm going to do this. And then if I think about it beforehand and I get myself kind of like psyched up, then, um, you know, I can make it happen. And I have a timer on my coffee maker and that's like the number one motivator for me to get up is I set the coffee to like be made so that when 6am rolls around, it's like hot and ready for me. <laughs> like it makes getting out of bed a lot easier. <laughs> I, I, I brew it the night before and then I put it in glass bottles and then have it be like iced coffee for, for the next day. It's like... Even that, like even getting to the fridge before like having caffeine like feels hard. But yeah, I can't people that just like can wait for like they can get up and then brew coffee and then like wait for it to <laughs> brew. Like that seems like insanity to me. I know. I know. I'm like, if as, as soon as I hear the like beeping go off, then I'm like, OK, now I can get up. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, is there like a set time like is six to eight a.m. also just kind of like the time when like your brain is like most uh, creatively sharp or is there like a specific, cause I think for me it's evenings, but that's very like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, yeah, what is it for you. Yeah. I definitely, evenings are my time. Like that would be, if I wasn't a parent, it would be the evenings, you know, for sure. So it's, 
by, you know, necessity more than anything that I, that I have to wake up and I'm trying to make myself a morning person. Um, but yeah, the nighttime is, is definitely, um, would be my first choice for like uninterrupted time. But yeah, my son has a lot of sleep problems, so that doesn't always happen. So that was kind of my, my workaround for, you know, during these years where it's hard for him to sleep at night. Cause right. usually I'm just hanging out with him until he passes out. And sometimes I fall asleep too. <laughs> How much do you do by hand versus uh, digitally? Um, it's probably half and half. Um, I, and sometimes like one piece will be started by hand and then completed digitally. And sometimes the opposite, like I'll do a sketch digitally and paint it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of always both. Um, I definitely am trying to work more traditionally again. Um, cause also like, you know, just speaking of my son, as we were kind of talking about that, um, I started using, I started drawing with an iPad, um, an iPad Pro when he was really little, like when he was, you know, I think it came at the first generation of it or something came out when he was a little baby. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Now I can like draw in the dark, you know, while he's sleeping and I can like try to get some, you know, creative time in. And um, so that was kind of like out of necessity that I had to do that. And mm -hmm. um now I'm kind of like, now that I don't have to do that as much, I'm kind of like much more, I just want to get back into making things with my hands again. Cause it just, it's more, I don't know, like for, for right now, it just feels better, you know, to be making things that way. So it goes, but I go back and forth. Yeah. I, I, uh, I read a lot on my phone for the sake of like convenience and like write a lot on my phone. Um, but there's something about like having the screen in front of me for like a long period of time that like gives me anxiety and like headaches and whatever, whereas like holding something like feels more calming. And I don't know yeah. what that like, like I'm autistic. So I don't know if that has to, there's something to do with like the texture of the mm -hmm. paper or whatever, that's like more gratifying or whatnot. I don't know, but it's weird. I think a lot of, um, like working the need or the want to work traditionally is also like, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like the tactile um, side of things, like just that it's like, because we live in such a digital world, like there is such a satisfying thing of when you get to do something kind of like with your, because even drawing with your, I keep saying with your hands, but like when you draw, when I draw digitally, I'm drawing with a pencil. So I'm still drawing with my hands, but um there is something really special about like cutting a piece of paper. Like I do a lot with like cut paper, um, painting with a paintbrush, like letting mistakes happen. That's like just really special that you don't really get to do digitally. I think there's something about the sound. Yeah. Like yeah. something like the, like the soft scrape on the, on the paper. I think that that's, that can be kind of calming too. Absolutely. What program do you use? You said that you've like, we're drawing with like an I iPad, but like, yeah, when you're doing digital stuff, is there a, is there a go-to program for you? Yeah, I use, um, Photoshop. Um, I also use Adobe Illustrator. Um, and I have, um, a big screen that I draw on like a tablet. So I'm drawing like directly into those programs. Um, when I do draw in the computer and then for my iPad, I like Adobe Fresco a lot. It's kind of like Adobe's answer to procreate. 
I know a lot of people love Procreate on the iPad, but I just never got the hang of it because I'm just so used to Adobe software. And um, Adobe Fresco is really cool because it's like they have a lot of brushes that mimic traditional media really nicely um, that are, it's just, for me, it's just been like more of an easy leap to make um, when I draw on that. How long does it take you on average to finish a piece? I'm sure there's like a really wide range here, but is there like a more common time frame? I try, I'm, yeah, it's kind of, sometimes I can sit down. I have these like little exercises I've been doing in my sketchbook and those I can do in a couple hours, like an evening, you know, like one sitting kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's for a client, it's usually there's more like stress in it, you know, and there's more back and forth. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely ranges, but yeah, a piece can be anywhere from like an evening to a couple days sometimes. So your art is something that is really warm and full of positive messages in my opinion. And with that kind of art, I think that there is a fine line between it being like empowering and it being kind of like invalidating to people's pain. Um, and I think that your art is in the empowering camp and I have my own thoughts as to why, um, but I'm curious like what you think the difference is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like this question a lot because it's definitely something that I think about when, especially if I'm doing anything um, for some of my more like surface design pieces that might actually have text in them. So like the message is really like clearly embedded in there, mm -hmm. um, like literally, um, you know, try, I try to stay away from, you know, anything that's going to be um, perceived as like that toxic positivity, like anything that's, yeah, like invalidating somebody's experience because sometimes things are not, you know, not completely great. You know, like there are situations where you can't look on the bright side, you know, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So like, you know, try to be like, um, I guess like, um, I don't know, just kind of reflective of trying to make things that are reflective of me. Cause I struggle a lot with like stress, anxiety, negative thoughts. So like a lot of the messages when they are positive, like a, have a positive spin on them, um, like they're almost messages for myself too. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like, um, you know, bringing that piece into it too is a big part of it. And, um, you know, I like working in bright colors and creating imagery that's like light and bright and, um, you know, to some extent, sometimes they're more decorative imagery. And like, um, you know, a big part of that is because art is my escape as well. And this is what I do to create and feel joy. So I think that kind of comes out in my work in that way sometimes. I, I had similar experiences in the past because I used to years and years ago dabble in music with like positive messages or whatever. But it was because I was trying to like, help myself not die. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that like I had this like naturally sunny disposition or whatever. And I, I think that to me, I think like the difference is like, for example, like there's a piece that you did that has just like the, the message you've got this mm -hmm. and like, that's 
there's nothing there's nothing invalidating about that. There's nothing saying like, hey, you shouldn't be sad or whatever. I used to uh, I had this neighbor that I was uh, very close to. She uh, died a few years ago. But one thing I'm going to talk shit about was that when I would go in, she had this like plaque in her living room. And it was one of those things. It's, I think it's a popular one. And it says, like, happiness is a decision you make ahead of time. It's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, that's kind of the difference, in my, in my yeah. opinion. So I, yeah, I appreciate absolutely. that you don't go in, in that direction. Absolutely. It's very, very conscious <laughs> to not, not harm, you know, mental health is import, very important to me. And like, that's something, you know, big piece of it, I feel like is just never making somebody, yeah, like, feel like they're bad for being, you know, feeling differently or not feeling positive or not feeling good. Totally. Yeah. Do you have any parting advice for any aspiring artists Um, or any, or any advice about anything? It doesn't have to be about art, but (laughs) art is probably a good place for me to stay in, in terms of advice. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I have good advice on anything else. No. Um, no, I think um, I think if art is something you're interested in or you want to do it, you know, just don't let kind of like what we were talking about earlier in our conversation, just like have faith in yourself and like allow yourself, if you do feel joy creating, like don't worry about other people or what somebody's going to think, you know, just create and have fun with it. And that's going to come through in your work. Um you know, if you're uh, not thinking too too much about, um, I don't know, other people's opinions, and then then you can kind of step back and look at it more critically. But um, you know, don't try to. You know, if you're creating art for yourself, it's always going to be that's the the best place to start. I don't know if that was very <laughs> good advice or made any sort of sense, but. Um, well, it's it's interesting you should mention that because your husband uh, once gave me advice about how it, it was it was very similar advice about how like art needs to be made for the self because you can't control ultimately like what the reactions will be from the outside world. So if you're looking for that validation, it's, it can be like a losing game versus it just being like gratifying that like you made something, which, yeah, obviously like that's the way to like look at it that makes perfect sense i feel like being uh raised under the umbrella of capitalism makes that like a hard state to get in mentally in like a pure way would you agree yeah definitely definitely and eric is so much better at uh, being eloquent (laughs) about you know these thoughts or these things but yeah absolutely i think it's hard to be, it's very hard to be a creative person and try to make a living off your work. It's so, so hard. It's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. But I think if you're, if you're starting from a genuine place and you have a strong foundation, like, you know, who you are and what you want to get out of this and what you're creating, you know, then like things start to come together. I don't think they like magically fall into place. You know, people have to work very hard for it still, but um, you know, just kind of having, you know, a sense of, um, 
or even a sense of boundaries, like what you won't do or what you, what clients you do want to work with or don't want to work with. Um, you know, that's all part of the art that you create and what you're putting out there into the world. And then you, you have to put it out there to see what you get back. I think you articulated that great. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, did this, did this go okay? <laughs> I hope it went okay. <laughs> I think it went okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.